All right, college basketball fans, we are back again. Another week, the 2022-2023 season keeps rolling along here. Late January, about to turn the page on another month, one step closer to March Madness. I'm Timmy Hall. He, for some reason, wearing a GW hat. GW. I can tell you the story behind that if you'd like. I would love it. It's evil, bald Colin, everybody. Why the George Washington Colonials hat? A big A10 fan, are you? Yeah, so if, you're, if you think back to that 2020 season where Dayton had a really good squad, you know, went to Maui, played Kansas to the wire, uh, was looking like a team that had a real f- Final Four run in them. Uh, and I, I have plenty of Dayton friends. One of my best friends is actually a Dayton alum and huge into the basketball program. And being the basketball or sports troll in general that I am, I was picking teams throughout the year randomly that I thought could, you know, take them down. Maybe get a maybe get a one-off win against Dayton and just kind of mess with them. And I kind of picked wow, up on George a spite hat. <laughs> I picked up on That's George good. Washington just randomly. I picked a random A10 team. Like you know what? Oh yeah, college game day is coming to Dayton for the first time. Gonna gonna have those Colonials take them down. And sure enough, didn't happen. Uh, Dayton won that game. But uh, it, it came down the line later that he was at a store, like, I don't know if it was like a thrift store or somewhere where it was like really cheap, like a $5 hat. And sure enough, in a random city in, in Ohio, he found a George Washington Colonials hat and bought it for me. Wow, that's unbelievable. That's something that would be like at a, uh, God, what was the name? What was the name of this department store I'm searching for? Gabriel Brothers. Give her... You ever stumble into a Gabriel Brothers? The kind, I don't of, think I've heard the of, kind of random sports crap. Picture a Ross or a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls in that realm, but much, much lower level. But you would see the most random sports crap that just got put on the wrong truck and sent down the wrong interstate, right? Like you're in you're in Tampa and you're seeing like Seattle sports apparel, like that kind of stuff. Just really misplaced stuff. But neat things like you could find a George Washington cap out here in central Ohio. I love, too, how it's a dad cap. It's very low-profile <laughs> cotton twill. Certainly not the kind of thing that Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers would be wearing. Not no, that type of, of hat not. at all. No, and it, I, I think it's appropriate to wear right now because while GW isn't one of the best teams in the A-10, they've actually had a pretty competitive season. I mean, they just took down Dayton at home, actually. So that's actually the funny part about this. I was literally just on their campus in the summertime. We finally was able. We finally were able to see the show. Of, I, I hate to tell you, and if this is too far past due, I'm sorry. Hamilton was still a thing. Yes, even eight years later, or maybe even a decade after it came out on Broadway. But we were trying to see that at the Kennedy Center in Washington D.C. My sister and her uh, husband or part of like a club there. So we saw the show and then we went, you know, into the city a little bit, not too far away. It was the campus of George Washington. So we, we did make our way over there. Yinka Dare, one of their great players from yesteryear that I remember growing up. He was a stud. He was mean on the glass and boy, could he dunk and a great name too. Uh, big 10 connection, Jamison battle. I'm not sure if he was on that team for GW back then, but he, he was originally at GW before transferring back home to Minnesota Jameson battle. Huh? That's right. From Minnesota. Okay. GW guy. And of course, Ohio state just said goodbye on the recruiting trail to a George Washington, the third, a player. Right. And he's going not, to going to his rival school. Yeah. He's not going to G dub. So, you know, I love how you threw that sauce in, too, to the Dayton fans out there of played Kansas to the wire <laughs> when they clearly won the freaking game. They, they won that game. Kansas lost to Dayton, 74-73. In Maui? Yes. It was a big thing. Are you sure about yes, that? Yes, I'm sure. Look, look. 
74-73, November 26th, Friday. Okay, now I need to look back on that because I could have sworn Kansas won the Maui that no, year. No, no. Look, man. Wow. Look. Yeah. Yeah. It was the cha- it was the championship game. They won the freaking wow. Maui, buddy. That's right. That okay, now that makes even more sense why I tried to troll them. Okay. That uh that makes a lot more sense. I No, you're looking at the wrong one. What do you mean I'm looking at the wrong ESPN, one? ESPN they played them recently. It's uh, ESPN Events International Invitational. Oh, this was not the Maui. This no. was last year where Dayton beat Kansas. Yes, that that I remember happening. This was the thing in Orlando. Yes. Yeah. So you're talking about a, a few years before. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, how crazy is that, that we had the two games between Dayton and Kansas now? Yeah, they've uh, created a little rivalry, it seems like. But um, no, it's uh, I feel for Dayton fans this year. It's been a rough season. They've lost a lot of games, in my opinion, that they probably shouldn't have lost. I, I, I can think back to the VCU game. They had VCU on the ropes on a Friday night game, and then, like I said, GW on the road. It's uh, fans are getting a little restless over Anthony Grant. Part of what we'll do, we always, of course, have an Ohio State Buckeyes segment. If you guys are checking us out as we're simulcast on Saturday mornings on the fan here in Columbus, we are going to be playing the Indiana Hoosiers in a little Saturday night, eight o'clock tip off party. That is going to be rocking at Assembly Hall. If you have never checked out the Assembly Hall environment, I would warn you because I'm not sure how this thing is going to go is going to go down with the way the Buckeyes have played. If you're on our side of it, an Ohio State fan, I don't know. But still, that's a great venue and a great chance to travel. And it's, of course, we, we talk about our Mad About Hoops road trip meter. It's in that realm. It's inside that four-hour drive. So it's certainly one that's doable. We'll talk about the Buckeyes. I want to talk a little bit about the dudes. Who's the man in college basketball this year? We'll talk about the men who are running college basketball this year, the individuals that are at the top of the sport. You probably know a few of those names already that are living in the front of your mind. We'll break those down. And Billy Packer passed away. So that'll give us an opportunity to – Talk about some of our favorite broadcasters, some of the icons of this sport as we've grown up, who are the personalities or the voices that really take us inside the game. So a lot coming up. Uh, We'll get you caught up with the week in the sport here as we get going. Thank you guys so much. Just nestle in and enjoy this episode of Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backboard. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Set it in, Jerome! It's March Madness. It certainly is. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Love it. Love that you're here. Love that you're a fan of this game like we are. You talk about some voices of the sport right there in our open. A little shout out to Bill Raftery. Please don't call him Bill Rafferty. Please don't do that. <laughs> Make sure that you get the T in the right place. The dude's too much of a legend to be screwing up his name uh, this far into it. That play just had its 35th anniversary this past week don't know if you saw that i did not see that it's yeah. actually kind of crazy to think about jerome lane wow we verified that's jerome. the uh, st vincent st mary's own correct 
We did look at that, didn't we? Yes. And you know who else was on the court for Pitt, right? I think he was credited with the assist on the send it in Jerome dunk. That's one Xavier head basketball coach, Sean Miller. Okay, I was not aware of that, but yes, yeah. I can verify Jerome Lane did go to St. Vincent, St. Mary. That's awesome. And you know, I watched that play several times this week when I saw it. And I think I saw it retweeted from an ACC buddy, which was funny because we've done this for Maryland as the Big Ten <laughs> Conference. It's like great moments in Big Ten history. Gary Williams. The, Showing the, the 90s uh, Nebraska football. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. It's like great moments in ACC basketball. Well, Pitt was a staunch Big East basketball program. So uh, there, there's that. Just an emphatic dunk. The fact that he dunks it in, grabs the rim, the ball still goes in, and when it's that tempered glass, it's not final destination type of scary where it's shards that can cut into you. It explodes into 10 million pieces. Right. It just rains ice on you. But how Jerome kept his footing, that's maybe the most impressive thing. He landed on his two feet after he pulled the rim down with him. Sensational. It's uh, it's crazy to think about. I don't know when we'll see anything like that next or maybe if technology's moved past that ability. I mean, I've, I've watched Zach E.D. hang on rims for like, three or four seconds so maybe we're away right. from that era yeah we we are but, uh, past it it's, you know it's it's crazy to Shaq think about did it sometimes it's crazy to think about a human being could do that Shaq wouldn't just take down the rim he would destroy the whole stanchion that's what was always impressive about the oh, times yeah. that Shaq did that with the magic in the nba you had to roll in a whole new hoop and everything. A whole new yeah. thing in there i'm sure that's they had to do that for that pit game i mean you can't just replace a glass backboard right there you got to bring the whole extra hoop that's sitting in the in the uh, tunnel i wonder if there's a documentary on that because that's something i would really want to look into because honestly uh, and people know the play but i don't think anybody's really watched unless if you watched it live there's got to be some great i stuff mean out yeah there. there's yeah. great stuff like about the delay like what's your estimate estimation at least a half hour delay right to get all that cleaned up I would and say, get the next hoop i would out say there. easy easy i mean depends on if there was like any denting on the floor or something like that yeah they they easily could could slap together an hour documentary on that thing and get inside the stories there probably has been one done but evil why don't you take me back in just uh, to your brain and uh what happened this past week in college basketball what stuck out to you what was a key game in there i know you and i were talking back and forth about that iowa state kansas state game in the big 12 We've uh, become very big followers of Big 12 basketball. We're on the Big 12 train, you and I, as the best league this year. Talk about Texas Tech being in last place in that conference. That's insane, <laughs> that's, man. That's the Buckeyes win, man. That's insane. No, uh, I mean, it sounds a little cliche, but who do you trust in the sport this year? I, I've been going through my head of teams I'm trying to target when it comes to my bracket because at the end of the day, that's really what we're building towards right. is Kansas how, on a three game losing skin is how right we're now, going to build hammered. our brackets. Yeah, man. man. And it seems like every single team is losing games that just kind of scr- makes you scratch your head. I mean, just the other night, UCLA on the road at USC, which is crazy to think it's been a year since I went to that game at uh, the Galen center, but yeah, UCLA was up double digits at halftime. And then USC just went on this run. And then there's just times where UCLA goes into these ruts on the offensive side of the court that just kind of surprise you. And there's teams across the top 10 and the top 25 that fit that category that it's like, I could see them either going all the way to the final four or being a first game out. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy to think how deep the sport is. Yeah. And when we talk just to go back to the big 12 for a second there, you had, some pretty big Super Tuesday games. You had TCU. I'll tell you, man, stopping with Jamie Dixon, talking about pit guys and what Dixon did there and how things just kind of grew stale in his 
in his run with the Panthers. And maybe they regret that. Maybe a little grass isn't always greener type of situation. I think for the most part. But Cable's, yeah. Cable's had a decent year, but it's still not up to the standard. No, it's not back to what, I mean, Dixon had you living in the tournament. And it became one of those things, like a Mick Crone in Cincinnati type of thing, where you're getting there every single year. And like, like we're, we're starting to talk about here in our own kitchen with Ohio State. But the Horned Frogs, man, I got a lot of respect when you go to a job. Nobody, no one would have ever you know, spoke for two minutes about TCU basketball, you know, it's almost reminiscent of Jimmy V's famous speech when he jokes about being Rutgers basketball coach, you know, and Rutgers basketball, like no one talks about Rutgers basketball. Steve Peichel now is doing his thing there. TCU, who the hell were they? Look what he is doing now in this league. He is just trashing opponents. The fact that you beat the Jayhawks by 23 at the field house. Then you back that up. You storm Oklahoma by 25 points. They are red hot, man. Texas is really good. Iowa State, Kansas State, still both really good. Kansas is still good. They got a game at Kentucky coming up here tonight. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, tonight TC- being Saturday. If you're listening to us on Saturday. <laughs> right. Uh, TC is a funny story because I think, I can't remember the number, but they've got a crazy long, like, winless streak or maybe never won a game on the road against an AP top 10 team or something like that. And they had the opportunity where up big against Texas and blew that. But that's just kind of the, the nature of that conference this year. You nailed it, man. Pick any team you wanted out of that Big 12 except maybe Texas Tech and maybe Oklahoma. And you've got a team that could make a second weekend. And I, I don't think that's a stretch to say that. And a, a guy in a team that we've really been harping on, like you said, Iowa State with TJ Otzelberger, the former South Dakota State head coach, has got a great program going. The funniest thing about it, though, is you probably couldn't name a, a lot of the players on that team because they're just not getting that type oh, of publicity. Oh, there's a guy we know, and his name is Gabe Kalsher. Kalsher's on that. And uh, he scored 19 in that big win over Kansas State. And they were... That was a hell of a game, folks. I hope you guys got to enjoy yes. it. That one, it, it of course, didn't make you think anything less of Kansas State. I mean, they're 17-3, and three, for God's sakes. They were back and forth the whole game. It was great. Osana Sunyi, uh, he played on those good St. Bonaventure teams with uh, Kyle Lofton, and, and he's just kind of performed at the same level going over to Iowa State. So it's a mix of guys they brought in from the transfer portal and recruiting, man. That's just what some of these guys early in their tenures at new schools – if you can hit in that portal, man, you can really start off running. Yeah, um, Marquise Noel, just a tremendous ball handler, just a guy that spearheads everything that Kansas State tries to do, even in defeat. And uh, we already know about the story of Keontae Johnson, who had a really, really scary situation on the court when he was a Florida Gator, and his career took a pause for a little bit while he made sure that he could keep playing basketball. And now for him to be having these moments and – He's just a dude, just a walking double double. I mean, he's an 18 and eight guy, tremendous score, tremendous athlete. It just, you know, he is, he's like a souped up version of a Bryce Sensabaugh because with his size, you know, he's a six, six guy. He's not overly big. He's just a rock. He's not like one of these six, nine, six, 10 dudes. He's just a, a rock solid kid. And it's been fun to watch what they've done. Now, let me get a thought from you about Purdue, the Boilers. They're number one yes. and only ranked team in the Big Ten, and they just keep winning. They win steady. They beat they they lasted Michigan, won that game by five. Yeah, there was a crazy stat that was brought up in that game, and it, it goes back to, to the point of does Zach Eady get officiated differently? And I hate harping on this, and I've said this in previous podcasts and shows, but I think at one point in that game, he picked up a foul that was his 30th on the season. 
this far into the season, he had only had 30 fouls to that point. It's unreal the way he gets officiated. It seems like he never fouls anybody, and yet he gets fouled on almost every single touchdown in the post. It's it's actually quite incredible the whistles that he gets throughout a game. But uh, no, it's really just predicated on that, man. If, if he was getting officiated in a, a way I thought more of what he performs at and he's getting in foul trouble, which he does not do, it completely changes the make, makeup of this Boilermaker team. They're very good, and they've got very good key role guys. But you just got to wonder how are Braden Smith and Foster, or not Foster, Fletcher Lawyer going to perform down the back stretch of the season when it's, they need to be relied upon if Edie can't give them 35, 32 minutes a game and he's dealing with foul trouble? How are they going to find the offensive production when it comes to that time of year against really good teams? Now, if they keep up on this pace and Edie's not getting in foul trouble and he's scoring 21, 22 points per game, you know what? They, they, may, they might make a run. But if they get into any issues where they got to rely on their depth, I'm really worried about that. It's a great point. I was actually just talking to my dad about this this week, Boilermaker Jeff, <laughs> who's been loving this run, and he would have some thoughts for you on everything you just said about the fouling, and he's watched every minute of every game and thinks that they've done a pretty fair job and that he's just played without fouling. I'm sure we can watch all the film, watch some games with him, and say, all right, dude, like, Jeff, that's like, that's a foul right there. That's a foul. He only went to the line I mean, three I get times it. If in that I was game. a fan of Purdue, but, I would absolutely make that argument. But the, tur- the, tur- the tournament, you're right. You can envision Matt Painter going up to whatever officiating crew and just saying, like, hey, like, I know you know this, but you don't, you're not a Big Ten referee. I know you know about my guy, Zach Eady, because everybody knows about him. Right. I'm just saying, just be cool. You know, just he he's he's a different kind of dude. He's a good he's a good player at playing without fouling. Just please, Mr. Official, just be cognizant of that. Just treat my guy fairly. Cause if they if that goes wrong for them, it's a second rounder or so. Bye bye, Purdue. Yeah, just Purdue scares me. And they're the type of team, not because of Purdue's history. I mean, take that away and just look at them in a vacuum. Purdue's the type of team where they're so predicated on getting the ball into the post. And you watch almost every offensive set. It's working through a guard or two and then dumping it down there and letting him either distribute it or go up with a shot. And when he's not on the court, they it's a little tough for them to run an offense. I mean, Trey Coffin runs a really good backup oh, guy. He's still new. But it's he's just it's new. not even the same. No, no, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. Well, as uh, we keep going here, we'll do a quick pause. In the words of, uh, or to, to quote a question that maybe 7 trillion people have, have said throughout the course of time, who's the man? We will answer that question. Who's the man in college basketball this year? Maybe that guy Edie might pop back up in that discussion. That's coming up. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. All right. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Sports, life, job. It's good to be the man, you know, or the woman to go that route. You know, and to be the man, you got to earn it. Being big man on campus, that's a big deal in college. And there's obviously a lot of dudes out there that are getting the job done for their teams this year. And where would we start here, Evil? Where would we take our first look 
Naturally, I think these are going to be some of our National Player of the Year candidates at this stage of the game. Sure. I mean, personally, I'm going to be a little biased. I like going towards the uh, points per game list and then looking at guys Ohio State faced. So we will start off with Josh Cohen, St. Francis, a PA zone. He, Give me he a freaking break. He had 18 and 10. <laughs> he had 18 and 10 against Ohio State, man. He had a double-double, averages 21.5 points per game. This is not the point of this exercise. You're right. <laughs> this is not, not the point right here. You're I'm, right. I'm thinking of a guy like where we left off with a Zachy. Is he the front runner? Is he the favorite right now? Uh, and yes. to, to go with yes. another one in the Big Ten Conference, I mean, I think it's getting pretty close between Trace Jackson Davis and Zach Eady, both of what those guys are for their Indiana schools, respectively. I see what you're doing, but no, it's... Uh, well, Trace Jackson he, Davis has been a walking 30 and 15 for the last three games. Okay, if he averages it the rest of the year, yes, we'll talk about it. But um, no, otherwise, Edie's just kind of in the clear front front uh the favorite even for the wooden award man it's just mean, 21 national, and 13 it's unreal man 21 it's, and 13 you've got sportsbook setting his over unders for rebounding at like 14 and a half that's unbelievable to think about um yeah no zach Eady's far and away my opinion the wooden award player of the year you name it um what gets really interesting is if you want to look at on a micro level and look at the first team all big 10 because i've been trying to fill it out and it feels like I'm leaving off really good players every time I try to make up a version of it. Yeah, so you brought that up. So you'd quickly go to Edie and Trace Jackson Edie Davis. and Trace, yes. You probably would have to throw a Terrence Shannon Jr. on there. As He's a guard? A, a walking 18-a-game okay. guy for Illinois, right? Yes. And they're a good enough team. I like to think about teams that are kind of in the mix, and then their players are turning in really good seasons Probably going to put Jalen Pickett on it. Jalen Pickett for sure is on it. Jalen Pickett for sure is on that. So I'll pull up his numbers in a second, but I want to say last time I checked Jalen Pickett for Penn State, and they're right in the middle of the pack. You know, they're good. They're good enough. And again, I I don't want to I don't want to make a mistake there and say just because you're on a bad team, you couldn't be a first team All Big Ten guy. If you're a twenty game is twenty game. You know what I'm talking about? Like it doesn't right. matter who you play for. But Pickett has been sensational. He just fills it up in every category for him. He leads their team in points, rebounds, and assists. He is a 17-8-7 guy. I mean, he's he's a yeah, true he's threat for, uh, I mean, national or uh, first team for on the national level, He is too. a threat for that. He, yeah. You talk about the man. Jalen Pickett is the man. He's one of the dudes. Man, and that ball funnels through him on the offensive end. But, uh, no, when it comes— You got to say, Chris, sorry to go for a fifth one. And I'm not doing this, like, regardless of position. If we no, just go five guys, you're nailing Murray. It. Yeah, I, I think that's the five uh, better that's than that? the five. You know, I, I, the, where I'm Bryce getting Sensible at, though, is that ball there. Cliff Amore is right there. Hunter Dickinson's right there. Like, you just go down the list of all the guys you're leaving off the list, and it feels like, wow, man, it's – we always talk about the Big Ten being deep, but filling out the first team – Big Ten, it feels like you're leaving off so many talented guys. What about, does anybody for Northwestern, uh, is anyone for Northwestern the man right now? You've got really uh, two guys, I mean, Boo Booey and, and Chase Adish. Adige, they yeah. kind of cancel each other out. I don't know if one will get up to that stature of being a first-teamer. Some second-team action maybe right there. But go, going back nationally, though, let's, mm-hmm. let's get back to nationally and some of the top guys in the sport. Uh, Jalen Wilson is the man. For Kansas. Yeah, man. He's been performing exactly how Bill Self said he needed to if they were going to compete this year. And he had to take his level to an All-American level, and sure enough, that's what's happened. Yeah, and he's he's a 21-10 and 10 guy. And even in their, uh, their loss to TCU, he had 30 points 
the rest of the team combined for 30 points. I think he had like 38 against Kansas State or something He had like that. 38, and you know how he would have had 41? Bill Self, Bill Self doesn't call the timeout. Walks out onto the court as Wilson is loading up for a top of the key three. And the ref does not stop the game until, I mean, he has the ball cocked and in his pocket, ready to release it. And it went in for his 41st points, and that would have given them a four-point lead. It would have been almost close to what you would call a dagger three. And then they oh, yeah. stop the clock, and then they get a poor look from three, and that's that. But no, Wilson has been uh, just as advertised, totally uh, sensational. I know you you were a big fan of your boy Sonogo, Adama Sonogo yeah. for UConn coming into the year. Has it lived up? I mean, he's, from what I've seen, even though UConn has had a slide in the Big East, he has still been as advertised. He is a mess to handle. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's it's really helped with uh, Donovan Kling and the, the freshman that's also a big guy that they put him on the on the court at the same time and really creates mismatch opportunities on the offensive end. And I, I've noticed Sonogo has also, also tried to expand his offense. He's trying to go more out towards the perimeter, which is big. And it's it's provided UConn kind of a lift early in the season. But, I mean, you also have to take note that UConn's on quite a slide right now, man. It just... Their guard play is not good enough in late game situations, and it's it's why I'm going to be scared to move them far in my bracket because I, I predicate teams that make the second weekend on guard play. And Jordan Hawkins is a really good player too, but it's still very it good. But mattered. yeah, it's yeah. just not it's not clutch. You got teams have to have that clutch gene, and again, not to get cliche, but that's what's needed to make those second weekend trips. And look, I know you had thoughts on the last pod about Gonzaga, and uh, if you want to listen to that, go back in the feed last week's podcast. Had, uh, if you're interested, you want to know like what to do with them when you're about to fill out your bracket this year, CB's got some big time thoughts on where they could go. But the, the, Be scared. Ma- the, man, Be very afraid. the man of men for the Zags is Drew Timmy. And the, the fact that he spent so much time there and he's still, and what's he giving you like 22 a game and 11 or but he's giving you no, he's giving you no, pre- I mean, same as Edie, but he's giving you no perimeter game at all. No, he's not. That's not him. That's not him. But that's Does impressive. It matter, though? To average Does it over matter? 20 points a game and provide no perimeter offense is pretty imp- impressive. Say what you will about what his NBA future is going to be, but what he's done in college basketball and how he stuck around Gonzaga, I mean, could this guy just throw it's the like, head? Could it's this like guy Trace just throw Jackson the headset? Davis, man. They, they, is, is Adam Morrison still doing radio for Gonzaga right now? Because oh, that's a good question. They can bring Timmy onto the team, too, and he could just do that for the next 40 years. No, man, it's, it's just like Trace Jackson Davis. While they don't have the size of Edie, they find ways to manipulate their way onto the block to get themselves in good situations to finish around the hoop. So we're hitting kind of uh, all corners of the country here. If you go west a little bit, who's the man out west? Who are some of the dudes out west? Wow. You look at the Arizona Wildcats. Azulis Tabellis. That's a good one. Balo. They've got two guys. But they've even got then, two guys. Balo, Balo just had a real dud on the road against Washington State. Only had one point in that game. I, I, I really don't understand how that happened, but uh, this is kind That's of an, fair. This is kind of an if Eastern sport. If you're the man, sport. you don't really take a night off. Before we go west, though, I, I do <laughs> want to bring Eastern to your mind. Sport. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go west, though, I do want to bring this because this guy was a name last year when Delaware made it out of the Colonial, but Jameer Nelson Jr., Averaging 19.8 points per game wow. has been really nice. And I just remember watching Jameer crying as they won that tournament uh, championship last year, making their way into the tournament. You got to look at Alabama. All right. They're the number two team in the country. And that stud freshman of theirs, Brandon Miller, man, Brandon Miller is the freaking man. Legit. He's the man. I mean, he's a first team, all American. He's a contender for national player of the year. 
He's a 20 and nine guy and he can just, he can score in a multitude of ways. He feels very, uh, he's number three overall pick. Yeah. He, he's he, right after when and scoot go off the board. He's going, he feels like a Jabari Smith from last year down at Auburn. But uh, I think it's a lot more consistent. You know who else is the man? Going back to Kansas, Grady Dick. Say what you okay. will about what his overall numbers are, but when you have that name, when you can have the the signs being made that are being made, even when I tweet about Grady Dick, I got to be careful with how I tweet about Grady Dick. Yes, I yes. do. He's unbelievable, though. Make sure you He's add that un- first name. Unbelievable. Yeah, going west is kind of hard because I, you nailed it with Azulis Tobelas. He's a good one. Jaime Hawkins is up there, but he's been kind of underperforming in the big games. I think I just have the name because I've watched a lot of New Mexico, Jamal Mashburn Jr., and what he's provided and the legacy he has running in that family, the family bloodlines to the NBA. And he's just been such a great player for Richard Pertino and having him in jail in house leading the way for his two guards. You want a team that's going to be like maybe an eight or nine seed, maybe a low, like an early double digit seed, like a 10 that could make a run to the second weekend. Guard play is, is really big in that. I've, I've said that already, but the way that house and Mashburn play together is that they'll scare the hell out of a really good team. I will also throw this name out there. This dude is still the man, and he's still at Oral Roberts University. Max Asmus, of course. Max Abmus Asmus. <laughs> still there, man. Still averaging 22 points per game, five boards, and four assists. And they're pretty good. They're a good squad. Really Very good, good team. Very good. Um, they played. They actually created Summit the league, game. Man. Top of the league. Yeah, they eighteen cre- and four and nine and zero. Oh. They created the game out of the blue against New Mexico a couple weeks ago. I remember that was on the road. They lost by seven at New Mexico, but that was a great opportunity to see some like really a good buster. Yeah, it was really weird, but they I love they, it. they added it midway through the season. Uh, there's a guy on the roster actually that was originally with. Uh, Arkansas, but he is a huge dude. Connor Vanover. He's seven foot five and he can shoot the three a little bit. He's shooting this season, at least 35% from behind the arc at seven foot Mm. five. All right. Those uh, congratulations to everyone who made it in the segment there. You are the man if you did. So keep at it. And if you weren't in that segment, just got to, do a little bit more. Sincere Curry and Jelly Walker. I'll just add those two names real quick because they're good every year. I just hope they can make the tournament somehow. Very good. Very good. There's two more names for you. Quick pause here and what's up with the Bucks as these guys get ready for the Indiana Hoosiers as their record has dropped to 11-9 and nine on the season. That is coming up. This is Mad About Hoops. Well, Tim, we reached that point of the season that I never wanted to happen, but it's to the point where we're starting to count records and doing the record game, the schedule game, and if they go this amount in the final 11 games, we're 20 get in? games in now. You got to take a look at it. it you're more than halfway it's through. It's unfortunate what your that you have to do that in terms of will you make the tournament, but it's a, it's the real situation right now. It's reality, and at this point, you have to use the second season under Holman as the barometer of what you need to just get in, and that's at least 8 and 12 in the conference play, maybe win a game in Indy, and then kind of pray. Are you looking at that season, though? You don't have that in front of you by chance, do you? That 8 and 12 year? Because 
you got to take into account what they did in the non-conference and what wins they had before they started to slide in conference play because that matters an awful lot in that equation. Here, I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier on the show, the Texas Tech win in Maui. Like, where where is that one going to live for you? If that if that's the best that you got, <laughs> well, Northwestern on I the mean, road. I mean, an- analytically, chances, Rutgers though. is your best win at Ru- home, Rutgers, and that right. game sh- unfortunately should not have counted in Ohio State's favor. But it did. But it did. But so it did. We, we we act as a, in that manner. But you got to take that when you get it. And there's chance. Tough. All their chances, I think, to get those are still ahead of them. They'd have to. They not only have to win games, CB. They've got to win the right ones that can turn their resume around the corner. So they can get off of that last four in or Dayton first four kind of action where you're just watching the selection show on pins and needles and nobody wants to be doing that. So looking back at that season in terms of the non-conference, it's not too sexy. I mean, they, they won the CBS sports classic game against UCLA, which I don't remember being anything really big in the 1819 season. Uh, Creighton in the tip-off game, the Gavit tip-off games, which was pretty Creighton. nice. Okay. But again, it wasn't a real huge name. Uh, come when you're when you're talking about uh, top 25 coming to the top 25 teams, they won one game. Of course, you remember the Justin Arns 29 point game uh, at home. But out, outside of that, there's just not oh, a whole Iowa, lot. The 90 to 70 over Iowa. That's right. But the outside Justin outside Arns of game. that, there's not a whole lot there. And they finished a regular season 18 and 13, 8 and 12 in the Big Ten. Uh, won the second round game is what they called it against Indiana. That pretty much everyone considered that as a playing game for the winner of that matchup and then lost to uh six seed Michigan state in the, in the, what would be the third round of the quarterfinals and then made the tournament as one of those last four buys. So they weren't in Dayton. They actually made they the were, actual tournament. They made the big field and they were maybe the last team in the big field. That's crazy. They beat one ranked team that year. That I mean, <laughs> in the regular season, if you needed a Iowa, little bit of number a, 22, if you needed a little bit of sunshine for how things are going and what could be <laughs> in front of Ohio State, I mean, that's an opportunity right there to say, hey, you have opportunities to actually improve on what you did in that season. All right. I've I've made to get into this Ohio State team, 11 and nine. Uh, what are they? Three and six right three and now. Six. So they'd have yeah, to, 11 and nine, three and six. Going to into Indiana. That, they'd have to go five and six in the final 11. Going into Indiana on Saturday night. And if you're listening to us on the fan on a Saturday morning, we will have some coverage for that game coming your way at six o'clock on the station. So uh, leading right into that. This is a big game, obviously. It's a chance. I can't say I feel great about it with the way the Buckeyes have played, with the way Trace Jackson Davis is playing right now for Indiana. The way Indiana. Indiana plays at home. The way they play at home. And they've been, until they had that Minnesota game, their previous three wins, they've been ripping opponents. Ripping Destroyed opponents. Illinois on the road. So yeah. I mean. Yeah. But I, I've said this a, several times now about why I think Ohio State's season has gone this way, and it's because of Zed and Justice. Would you like to add to that? Or what else is it for you? I mean, it's a lot of different things. I think it's defensively there's some guards that can't really handle defending. And it's unfortunate to say that, but there's a few in, in particular I can think of. Sensible. Well, I was thinking more of Sean McNeil, unfortunately. It just He's just a guy that just doesn't excel on that side of the court. Um, but you, you take the trade-off for what he can provide shooting from three and being a three-point threat. Uh, yes, you, you nailed it. The way, and especially going back to that Illinois game, 
the lack of production you got from Zach Key and Justice Sewing, it hurts. I mean, those are your leaders. Those are your upperclassmen that you really depend on to v- provide that support because, I mean, while you can sort of depend on Sensible to get you 14-plus a game, you really don't want that to be your only option of what you can trust and you can depend on game in and game out. So it, it hurts when those two guys aren't performing. Uh, we've mentioned it before, and Holtman's mentioned it, just kind of the wearing down of Bruce Thornton. You can kind of see it happening in real time. Unfortunately, that happens, and that's your primary ball handler. And when that happens, it just it kind of really throws off the rhythm of the offense. So I, I think there's a lot of different things that play into it. How do you... How do you take the season that you're in right now, though, and start pushing the right buttons? If I had the answer, I would be coaching. Um, that's that's tough. At this point in the year, I, I would just try to be finding new things. And it, it sucks you have to get to that point, but find new things that can help propel your offense or what you were doing before the slide. And, and personally to me, what I noticed and why they've started to slide, it seems the offense gets a little stagnant. It seems like it's working around the perimeter or it's dumping it into Zed, and then it's just a lot of standing standing around off the I ball. I feel like we talk about this a lot. It's unfortunate we have to, but it's just not changing from game to game. Why do we always come back to the to stagnant offense? It, it was really evident in that last game because in I, the loss to Illinois. I think there's a lot of iso ball mentality going on. Uh, I th- and and that's, they'll tell you that the that Illinois un- defense kind of provokes you to play that sure, way. Sure, I agree with but that. But at s- some point, though, you and can't And it works just- for sensible, but the issue is, is I think there's a lot of mentality amongst the team that they fall into it by, maybe it's just by, you know, comfort. Just because a team plays a certain type of defense, though, like there's, I, I get it. Like we could talk about this in any sport, right? About the, the concept of taking what the defense gives you. But... If what the defense is trying to force you into isn't a good sound philosophy offensively, then you can't just really accept that, right? There's all right. there. That's what coaching is, right? That's what playing the game and studying is. It's okay. You're going to do this. So we have worked on something all week in film study, and we've got a way to counter that. We have a way to still move the ball, whether it's going to be, you know, getting into some high-low, whether it's going to be, you know, doing some, you know, down-screening or cross-screening, like, around the key, getting some guys, you know, coming off of double screens, whatever it is, highlighting certain matchups. There's a getting guys to switch, like, getting into the high. There's a million things, a million things that you can do. Well, And the last thing you want to see, like you said, is just the ball kind of stick in one place, and then you get poor shots out of it. But what's sad is on both sides of the ball, Defensively and offensively, there's one key thing we've been kind of upset with, and that's, like you said, stagnant offense. And on the other end, defensively, it's how you guard the pick and roll. It just seems like we're this far into the season and we still don't have a consistent way of approaching it. And especially going underneath the screen, giving up a three to Shannon. Uh, and then when it's dealing with a pick and roll, there's no, you're trapping the guy with the ball and the, the guy that's rolling is just wide open running to the hoop. It just... It seems like a consistent issue, and I don't know if they're ever going to get it fixed in time to save the season, but it's just, it's got to happen now. If it's going to happen, it has to happen now. As we move into February, they making the NCAA tournament? <sighs> I really don't want to answer this. Um, just looking at the future schedule, I, I've seen a lot of people actually optimistic about it. Me personally, I just think it's tough. I mean, to think you have to go five and six, to be in that comfort spot. It's not really comfortable, but what you've done in year two under Holtman to make the tournament, you tell me you have to go five and six to match that. 
I don't feel a whole lot confident about it, not because of who they play, but just the way they've been playing. They're not helping themselves. Yeah, I, I got to say no, too. Like, I, the per, my, I'm below the 50%. Right. If I was kind of making percentages for this, I feel like I'm at 30. But they have so the I'll, opportunity. I'll number no. one, they have the opportunity. Number two, they have the talent to do it. It's just whether they actually execute. All right, we got a few things left to do. We're going to hit our road trip meter. There's a bit. There's a big one. There's a big one you can get to. If you're not going to Ohio State, Indiana at 8 o'clock, oh, boy, is there one for you. I'll mention some of our favorite broadcasters that we've been waiting to do. In a mid-major flavor, it's all ahead. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. That's a good tease because I'm curious to see who you select. Oh, for the game? I haven't looked oh, at you, this weekend too closely oh, you'll, you'll know it. You'll know it when you hear it here. Yeah, Saturday is such a great day in college basketball. It's the day in football. I mean, we have Sunday games too, but Saturday just feels better, doesn't it? Like you start up, you get those noon games going, and then you are just the rest of the weekend. You're locked in. And let me go right ahead with the Mad About Hoops road trip meter because there is a game that is a full-blown 10 out of 10. I don't care if one of these teams has uh, been a little bit disappointing this year. They're trying to work their way back in. They're a power brand. They're really talented. They have, we didn't even mention this dude and who's the man, Oscar Shibway. Folks, you can get yourself down in uh, under four hours from Central Ohio to Lexington. Speaking of <laughs> broadcasters that I'd bring up, Gus Johnson, Kansas is at Kentucky. That's an 8 o'clock special. Oh, wow. I forgot there was That's a return a trip on that. blown 10 out of 10 on the road trip meter. I was so disappointed that the Buckeyes had to be playing a Saturday game. <laughs> the same time that that game is going on, I was saying, please let that be a Sunday game. Please. I've never done Rupp. Got to check Rupp off the bucket list. And to see it with those big brands, bless you, college basketball. Bless you, Kentucky and Kansas, for playing these games. And I guess this is the uh, the SEC Big 12 challenge. That's but right. home sites, oh, just awesome. Mid-season, late in conference season for a little break, just awesome. Everything about it. Wow, that's a great call out of you because I, I well, personally you. did not know that. It's the easiest call. Uh, it's the it's the winner. You're I, not going to beat that one. I have some free time on Saturday, so maybe I'll slide on down there. Uh, <laughs> you're, no. go, you're going? You, you better get on the way. No. Yeah, you're right. Or uh, save up some money real 100 quick. bucks. Oh, is that? 101 to get in the door. Okay, that's not terrible. Maybe go 150 to get a little bit lower. But, hey, I mean, it's it's Kansas and Kentucky. It'll be one of the more incredible environments you've ever seen. That's a good one. Um, I don't know if this game's necessarily gonna, going to be great, but uh, Dayton's got a home game that they sold out their student allotment of tickets. Tickets are actually, I think, around 50 bucks to get in right now to see them host Richmond. This is a team. Spiders, baby. Not necessarily at the same level in terms of uh, red flag or red alert sign yet, but Dayton's got to get a win here, and they've kind of struggled here recently. There's a lot of heat on their head coach, Anthony Grant. Uh, it, it seems like this is going to be a one-bid league, unfortunately, for eight, the A-10. Maybe two teams, if they're lucky. But uh, this is they got to start building some momentum because they need to make a run come A-10 tournament time. And I hope the urgency is there because Richmond's got a pretty decent squad. Yeah, the Spiders are always pretty good, man. They hang around. And I, I do remember being uh, in school and the Richmond Spiders came to Allen Fieldhouse and they brought a victory. They, they went, they left there with a win on a buzzer beating three that would have been in the, 
2003 or 2004 season. God, that's carbon dating yourself right there. <laughs> but either way, uh, good times. Oh, good, man, good for the Richmond Spiders. If you could run down to uh, Knoxville, I mean, I, I just made the trip to Nashville a month ago, and it's about five, five and a half hours. So, that's you doable. know, if you've got the ability, Saturday night, 6 p.m. He in came Knoxville, back with a Vanderbilt hoodie. <laughs> that's right. Tennessee, they're hosting Texas. So that's a, that's a top 10 matchup. You got another opportunity to go back to Morgantown as well as they're playing Auburn, West Virginia and yeah, Auburn. Yeah, so the, Auburn's a very awkward topic right now because they've been a team that's been ranked top 15 all year, but I couldn't tell you that they have top 15 talent. Like, if they get a top 4C, like a 4 or 5 line, like that is going to be the prime upset pick. By the way, you can't make it out to this game because it's in Nebraska, but Xavier is at Creighton, and that game will be available for you on 1460 ESPN. Noon tip-off, 12-15 tip-off, but the coverage will be there at noon here on a Saturday. All right, so when you're you're giving me your mid-major flavor, I know we got some teams in the top 25 here. What what about some love for the Florida Atlantic Owls? Yeah, of or are course. you going another direction? No, we've, we've gone that direction before, and we got to go again, man. They're on a 19-game winning streak as of Saturday morning, and it looks good. Now, the, the Conference USA has been a really tough conference. Nine of the 11 teams are above 500 overall records. And every single year, it seems like they're always very competitive. Several teams have a chance to win the conference tournament. And quite honestly, when you're filling out those tournament brackets for your conference tournaments, if you're crazy enough to do something like that, uh, it, it seems like a crapshoot when it comes to the Conference USA. But Florida Atlantic looks like the most consistent team. Uh, John L. Davis averaging 13.4 points per game. Three guys averaging double digits overall. They don't have a huge win on their resume. They did lose... Two Ole Miss by 13, but one on the road at Florida by two. I don't know what to expect by the, for this team if they make it to the tournament. They seem like a classic 8-9 or 7-10 type team. I, I will slip another one in there, and that's going to be Bellarmine. They're not having a great season, but there's a reason I point to they, a 10-12 team. They did beat Louisville. The Bellarmine Knights, it's incredible, right? They, <laughs> Their schedule, by the way, was mean. They started the season with a win against Louisville. You're it's right. Tough, man. They played Clemson. They played Duke. They played Loyola Marymount, UCLA, Kentucky. And they beat the Colonels, Eastern Kentucky. I'm right there, right? The Colonels. They That's beat right. Eastern Kentucky 72-71. It wasn't just any win. It was a Garrett Tipton 3 at the buzzer. Oh, wow. Bishop Hartley zone. That's a Bishop Hartley guy. Wow. Central Ohio. I even gave a little tweet action from our account. Please do follow it at Mad About Hoops. And Garrett saw that. So much love to uh, all the Central Ohio high school basketball stars that are doing anything and anywhere and everywhere in college basketball. He's doing his thing down for the Bellarmine Knights. He had 18. He had 18 in the previous game, too, as they beat North Alabama. Yeah, that was, that was earlier in the month, but he had a nice game uh, not too long ago. Yeah, no, a lot of great local talent performing. I, I've mentioned Tavion Kinsey down at Marshall before. He's tearing it up. Uh, a really, really good player down there. Uh, Morgan Safford, I believe, is also playing. Yeah, he's still at Wofford. Uh, he was a guy that's also, or I'm, no, I'm sorry. He used to be at Wofford. He actually transferred back to Miami of Ohio, but he's also a Bishop Hartley guy. I, uh, I'm looking at Tipton. He's leading them in scoring, so that's nice. 12.2, 90% from the free throw line. Good looking out, man. Kids, make your free throws. Practice your free throws. Don't <laughs> don't be that guy. Don't miss the front end of a one-on-one one either. He's 49% from the field, 37% from three, so nice season for Tipton. Good looking player, like a 6'4 guard, and uh, that, that's great. I, uh, 
I'll finish off here. Let's talk about some of our favorite broadcasters, some of our favorite personalities that have covered the sport. I'll, I'll give you just a quick story. And we probably all have something like this. I was talking to Adam Jardy, our friend from the dispatch, and he had a chance to go up to Gus Johnson, who I would also just say for a quick second, I he's way up there on my list. We've got the clip of him in our show open with the Ron Lewis shot the, in Lexington, and it's going to overtime. I love his energy. I love his passion about everything. Adam said he spoke to him and was just like three or four minutes, but he said Gus was very gracious, like gave the gave him the time to talk and was very appreciative that, that Adam had told me he was such a fan, things like that. I remember when I was doing student broadcasting, we got to do the play-by-play of our you know men's college basketball games, our football games. It was incredible, right? And so it's a... It's a CBS game, big window game. So you feel like a big shot. And you kind of know that whenever you go out into your the real world jobs, you're going to take a big step down. You ain't going to be calling Kansas basketball games. You're going to have to go somewhere, do the grunt work, earn your way back up. So right. you're kind of relishing it, setting up your broadcast for a CBS, like three o'clock game on a Saturday or Sunday. And it's KU and it's Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's got, you know, the the, the, the good teams that made their run to the final four, their top 10. And Vern Lundquist was on the call for CBS that Mm. day. And we would get into the gym as early as they would allow us. I mean, it's two hours. There's no fans. No one has been allowed in yet. And Vern is just kind of over there with a CBS sport coat chilling. And me and my one uh, good friend, Jimmy Chavez, who I went to school with, and he's a good broadcaster himself, we had like a 15-minute conversation with Vern, just talking about anything and everything. And he was so cool. He was so great. And... That's one of my big, like, sportscaster meet-and-greet memories from the whole time that I've been doing this. It's a really good story, man. Yeah, there's there's great guys throughout all of the networks you can think of. I'm, I'm thinking of John Shambi. Uh, Dan Shulman's really good, He especially when Shulman's with uh, – Jay Billis on their ESPN calls. It's, yes. He's a really good one. Or, I, I enjoyed his call on the Passion uh, Bill Walton. Passion Bill Walton. For late nights. Very they good. They just did the USC-UCLA. Yes. Uh, Shulman was great on the aircraft carrier game, and they actually kind of turned it over to some of the... Uh, the, the Armed mid, Forces the mid, members. The armed I saw forces. that. Yeah, yes. That was very cool. It's a pretty cool situation. Uh, there, yeah, there's there's tons across. Obviously, Bill Raftery's up there. He doesn't call games, but I love Gary Parrish's insight. Uh, on the game and me too I, I think he's one of the best writers and out analysts you name it and our guy sport. titus titus is up there and i heard they're leaving uh fox actually so i'm curious to see what's next for him and uh tate tate frazier i gotta stick up for dickie v for a second i mean you love okay. him or, love him or hate him but the guy is he's passionate I'll, if you're I'll give ta- him that if yeah. you're talking about five faces or whatever that would be associated with the sport in general he would likely be on that list. I'm talking coaches, players. I mean, I'm talking everything, buddy. Maybe top mm-hmm. 10, but I mean, you make that argument. Like the voice of college basketball for ESPN for so many years, the network that had the main contract to show a lot of their games, and then you'd get to this thing where he would could never do NCAA tournament games. He'd then switch over and do some for radio. But Dickie V, and I do respect how much money the guy has chosen to raised for cancer research. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not, I'll admit it, and I'm with a group that don't love the style of delivery for the broadcast, but personally, I respect what he does. I respect how passionate he is for the game and how much he puts into it, and just the effort and, and the time he puts into it. And, of course, we're talking about this because uh, Billy Packer just passed. Mm-hmm. Saw his son, Mark Packer, who's been a, an ACC broadcaster for a long time himself, uh, tweet out the photo of him and the family, and you know Billy from 75 to... 08 
called Final Four games. Him and uh, Jim Nance for many, many, many of those years uh, down the stretch run before Clark Kellogg, I think, stepped in and took over before they made more more moves. But Billy, love him or hate him, same type of thing. The insight, the knowledge. Uh, he could have some of those old school mentalities, clearly, as we got into like those mid-2000s before it ended for him. But just a, you can't be a fan of the sport, as I tweeted earlier, and not have seen hundreds of broadcasts that uh, Billy Packer was on the call for. Absolutely. And he, the, obviously it wasn't a, a direct transition from Packer to Raftery, but just having that back-to-back, that stretch of time doing the Final Four and Raftery, of course, I'm going to think of the Villanova call where they hit the three-pointer to beat North Carolina at the end like that. It's it's quite amazing all of the calls we've gotten from the Final Four that included both those guys. Yeah, and I, uh, Raftery clearly, like, I can't even can't even talk about him enough. Like he's probably my favorite, probably my number oh, yeah. one. When, when guy. I play NCAA basketball he's ten, so cool. Yeah, when I pick NCAA basketball ten, I'm always picking the CBS broadcast because it's yeah. him and Gus. <laughs> Onions, He's just so cool. I just it works. It is college basketball, and to throw in uh, Grant Grant Hill and Jim Nance. We talked about this on a previous pod. The way they were just like kids in a candy shop. And it was the pandemic tournament too, was it not? Where it was slimmed down when it was the the UCLA Gonzaga yeah. shot. It was just pure fun. Their final call for that one. Yeah. That and was how it all went so... like the next 30 seconds after when Suggs jumps up on the scorer's table and, you know, showing the Gonzaga. It was just incredible. They just knocked that out of the park. It, it was, was so a fun moment. different because they had to create their own environment because you don't have the fans there for mm-hmm. that. It's just yeah. it was very important the way they handled that and the way they, you know, tried to make up for the lack of that presence there. And they did a great job with it. All right, my friend. I'd say that's been a good pod for now. We, uh, as always, if you've checked us out on the fan, the only way that you can get the full version of this, things might have been edited out of this, it is only available on our podcast feed. And if you're going to uh, listen to it on Apple, we certainly would appreciate a little review, a little rating, five-star rating, <laughs> right? <laughs> to go with Tim, <laughs> Tim May, you're going to make a rating, may as well do five stars, you know what I'm saying? And then a little customer review. Tell us uh, what you liked, what you might want to hear more of, some teams or certain coverage. We're not talking enough Kentucky for you, whatever. Just uh, <laughs> just let us know. But uh, good stuff, Colin. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Tim. Can't wait. All right, everybody. Enjoy the college basketball. This has been Mad About Hoops.